Welcome to episode number 46. I'm your host, Alpha Mike. What are we going to be discussing today? Well, we're going to be discussing transgender. The overwhelming impact it has on law enforcement agencies, not only with costs, but also with resources and retraining its personnel on the next L Police Radio. Episode 46. This episode, you know, a lot of the episodes that we do are kind of programmed a couple of months in advance. And this was a one that I I knew I had a I had to air because it has a tremendous impact on law enforcement agencies. But it was a difficult one. It was one I just didn't want to really dive into, but it had to be done. My disclaimer is this. This is the brunt of many jokes for many people. In law enforcement, if uh, you're a part of the industry, you know what I'm talking about. You make one mistake or you change uh, abruptly, uh, you will be the brunt of many jokes. Nicknames will be called after you for generations to come as a result of that. An example... Let's say uh, you started as a very young officer, you had a good head head of hair, and, you know, 20, 30 years have passed, it's thinning out on top, and all of a sudden, and I've seen it in my career, you show up with a wig on. Well, that's going to be the brunt of many jokes. So professionalism in law enforcement, not that it's not there, but Humor is a vehicle that is used in day-to-day law enforcement. So this is no exception. It's the brunt of many jokes. But uh, we are going to talk about the professional aspect of it and the impact it has on law enforcement officers. But before we get to that, we're going to dive into some things that are happening with El Police Radio. Of course, you can always make contact with us on lpoliceradio.com and uh, hook up to our show notes, and it gives you kind of detail everything I talked about on this or any other episode. We're redesigning. We did a couple of redesigns on our logo, and um, we're marking our 
first anniversary in September, and we thought that we needed a logo change. Uh, the the change is a little bit uh, more eyes on the analytics of our podcasting industry. Basically, a logo is everything that captures the eye. So our logos uh, were there, but they were plain. They were very plain, and even the ones that we are kind of developed now, they're not really. Um, you know, big budgeted logos, but they they can do the job. We'll probably do a third final cut, maybe six months to a year from now, on the last developed logo for El Police Radio. Now, another concept uh, that we are considering is the possibility of a name change from El Police Radio in this radio episode segment. And there's a lot of reasons for us uh, doing the name change. One of them, of course, is looking at analytics. And when you look at the top-rated podcasts that are out there, you'll notice that they're left-based organizations or left-based episodes or shows. And to kind of get in there, if you dive a little further into police podcast, you'll notice it is slim pickings. Agencies don't even want to touch it because there's a lot of hate out there. So, you know, we're not cutting and running, that's for sure. But uh, we know that our namesake is not doing us any justice either. So we're considering making uh, the leap of faith change. It might be done uh, sooner than than later, but it will uh, probably fully take effect uh, down the road, um, but we don't know when. And uh, that will happen, and we're going to hold on to the name for now. And uh, our El Police Radio, you know, we have uh, Podbean is our provider, and they have... Oh, slight website that you can access all our podcasts archived all the way through and we're renewing with them in September and we're going to leave El Police Radio that aspect that will be there that's not going to change if the website might be changed as far as the name goes but uh, the El Police podcast website will be there and Lastly, we have, unfortunately, the opportunity now uh, to go on to YouTube, and we are, but we are going to be headlining firearms. The reason it's unfortunate is because YouTube and firearms are a no-no nowadays with our friends on the left. Therefore, uh, there's no avenue of progress there. They don't even compensate you if you have X amount of uh, visitors and so forth. So to kind of go around that and some of the camera equipment and other things that we need are very, very expensive. So we're going to be going to Patreon. And it's a kind of um, a website where people can donate. You know, They can contribute uh, 
one-time fee or they can contribute monthly into the work that we're doing. We're doing a lot of things. It's El Police Radio. You've got uh, Leatherneck 7. And, uh, of course, you've got 09TG, the training group, which is uh, going to be started real soon. So combining those three, they have a, a huge amount of cost. And so we're definitely going to look at uh, Patreon. And the other thing is sponsorship with companies. Sometimes they stifle your freedom of speech. They won't only want you to go so far because they don't want to offend anybody. <clears throat> so uh, <clears throat> not that we're not saying no. We have signed up for sponsorship. We have to review who the sponsor is and kind of agree. Both have to agree. And we're not there at, at this particular time. So, well, enough about uh, lpoliceradio.com. Now let's dive into our LP News Countdown. One. Now, keeping with our theme, we have three news articles that we're going to be, of course, reviewing. Uh, we're not going to change that. I did have uh, first the opportunity that I was going to read news articles on transgender, and I said, no, but some of them were a little dated, and uh, they weren't uh, kind of relevant because things have changed. So I'm just going to go ahead and do the uh, the three news articles. Our first, of course, it takes us to the forgotten profession. And we all know what that forgotten profession is, and that's the profession of corrections. And believe it or not, we have an incident in Rikers Island. It's almost hard to believe that Rikers Island has incidents. Convicted killer sentenced to more time in slashing of Riker, Riker's CO. A Brooklyn gang member who killed a romantic rival will spend another nine years behind bars for his role in the vicious slashing on a Rikers Island correctional officer in 2015. Darnell Green choked correctional officer Ray Calderon from behind while another inmate sliced the face from cheek to ear and slashed his arm on November 5th, 2015. Calderon needed 26 stitches to close the wound, which uh, prosecutors said. The 22-year-old blood member was awaiting trial on March, 20, 20, uh, March 2015, killing of an 18-year-old, uh, and it goes into the story of what this uh, scumbag did. So he's going to stay a little bit behind bars now because he slashed the uh, correctional officer. And again, this is the product of what's occurring on the outside and it's moving into the inside of a facility. On the outside, I'm talking about the street, the disobedience of law enforcement and so forth, and it moves inside. So things that you didn't see before in corrections, now you're starting to see slashing and stabbing and attacks on uh, corrections officers in the facilities. So good to see that uh, they've added uh, 25 years to his term. So sucks to be him. All right, number two. 
Where is number two anyway? Two. See that? We threw you for a curveball. We've got equal opportunity here, male and female. Just can't have it one way. All right, I'll start our second story. NYPD filed charges against officers in Eric Gardner's death. Uh, police officer Dan, Daniel Pantaliano, 33, was involved in Eric Gardner's death, was served with department charges Friday, law enforcement uh, basically said. Uh, if you remember, Eric Gardner was the guy, the heavy set guy, supposedly selling uh, illegal cigarettes in front of a store, and the cops kind of took him down, put him in a, some type of a chokehold, and uh, because he was overweight and they were all on top of him, it basically uh, killed him. And the Justice Department has been sitting on this case, and they do it on purpose, folks. They sit on these cases for years because they can, and then they open it up when they feel like it. And the Justice Department has been holding this over the NYPD's head for a good while because of some issues that, believe it or not, happened with the ongoing Mueller investigation. And NYPD finally made the decision, well, we're not waiting for the Justice Department. We're going to do our own case. And they can, and they are going to do it, and thank God they're going to do it. And uh, now they're moving forward. Unfortunately, it doesn't look good for the officer and uh, some of the people that were on scene. But uh, nevertheless, this will have closure. I'm going to leave the article up there. You know, it talks about our good friend, Reverend Al Sharpton, causing an uproar and all this. But we're going to leave it up there for you can read it on the show notes. And we knew this was coming. And as a result of the Mueller investigation. So the NYPD, kudos to them because they're moving forward quickly and with good reason. All right. Our next story, what number are we up to? Comes after two. Quick, think on your heels. Three. And as you can see, she's back. We just gave her a little coffee break. Let number two uh, flex his muscles there for a little bit. All right. Well, story number three. Takes us to Fort Myers. Unfortunately, another officer has been shot. And um, uh, he is a he was a first responder in the fire department as well. Uh, life as a first responder is part of Adam Jobers Miller's DNA. The 29-year-old Fort Myers police officer was shot in the line of duty on Saturday night. He underwent surgery for a head injury and remains at Lee Memorial Hospital in critical but stable condition. Jober Miller joined the Fort Myers Police Department in September of 2015. Before moving to Florida to pursue a career as a police officer, Jober Miller worked as a volunteer firefighter in Wayne, New Jersey, a small township about 20 miles from Midtown Manhattan. Attempting to reach his father, David Miller, were unsuccessful Sunday, his mother, Patricia Miller, declined to comment um, when reached by phone. His father was the chief of the fire department for 30-plus years, said Keith Rock, that, was, that uh, grew up with him. So, unfortunately, uh, a maniac with a gun in, in the gas station, acting erratic, holding the gun, citizens called police, and um, 
I don't know how it transpired, really. The article really doesn't say much about it. But the officer was shot, and as you can see, there was an injury to the head. So the subject, I believe, was taken into custody. So he'll be called Mr. when he's taken into custody. Mr. Mr. That's a freaking shame. But he'll be Mr. All right, so that wraps up. Uh, all right, well, number we, we have one, two, and three, male-female combination going. What, what's up with the bugler? Is he in the closet or something? All right, let's go. <laughs> Episode number 46, Transgender. And as I said earlier in the opening credits, this is a difficult subject to talk about because it's not one that really I'm wired for. And I have a little difficulty really accepting it. Now, I want to make this one disclaimer, and that is I don't care what your preference is. I don't care what you do in uh, bedrooms, closets, uh, behind shower curtains. That's your business, and that's between you and your maker. But what I bothers me is when it enters my world, and all of a sudden I've got to make a change. For example, I'm a firm believer in Scripture, and I can say that I am 100% uh, behind the teachings and the biblical Scripture of Jesus Christ. But that doesn't mean that now all of a sudden, because I'm a firm believer, I've got to move government for you to believe in what I believe in. Now, I would like to convert you for your own salvation. That's different. But I'm not forcing the government to shove it down your throat because God did make free will. So that's my disclaimer. I have nothing against any of these individuals and just the opposite. I think they uh, need more prayer more than anything. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm saying it in a good sense because the decisions that they're making are life-bounding, binding. There's no way around it, you know. And um, it is difficult uh, decisions that they're making and sometimes career-changing as well has an impact on family. There's so much involved in that one decision. So I, that's why I believe that they need prayer. So don't uh, start hating me now because I had brought this subject up. We're bringing up this subject of transgenders and the impact. Let me repeat that in case you didn't hear it. And the impact it has on law enforcement agencies and the resources that they need just to cover that one subject. So that's the purpose of this show. And with that being said, during my research for this, I discovered there's a whole bunch of stories out there. Now, I did say earlier that some of them were a little dated. I didn't really want to get into them because of, you know, there was like, we're thinking about it. Well, there's nothing to think about. Now we know that this is, rampant and all over the place. So I didn't want to use that type of story. 
But basically, if we first thing I want to do before I start, we did a lot of research on this, and one of the things that I was so surprised at, there is so much, so much reference material out there, and um, it is not a subject that is hated by the media, so there's plenty of coverage by the media. Does that make sense? So where in other situations, um, you don't, you really have to have a struggle in finding what you want. Here, I had absolutely uh, no struggle whatsoever. But the first thing I want to start off with, I want to read the definition of transgender. And uh, this comes from Psychology Today. The term transgender refers to people whose sense of their own gender differs from what would be expected based on their sex characteristics which in which they were born with. A transgender person may identify as a woman despite having been born with male genitalia, for example. And some transgender people do not specifically uh, identify as men or women. So they kind of like, I'm in between. Okay, that kind of thing. And it goes on and, and it tells you a little bit more about what is transgender. So the definition, the definition. Because I think a lot of people are confused. Are you transgender? That means you had the operation or you're pre-operation or you're during the operation. You know, it's confusing. So this type of definition um, is more rounded, accepted in the medical profession, and I would say also in the legal profession as well. So during my research, I started bouncing around to see, let me see what how many agencies have been impacted by this. And there are a lot. I'm not going to say it was overwhelming, but the numbers are growing. And uh, our first... Uh, one that we look at here is Orange County. First transgendered deputy, I'm becoming who I wanted to be, is the article, and we'll post it on lpoliceradio.com. As a child, Peter John Strorokiu used to pray he'd wake up in the morning as a little girl. Now an Orange County Sheriff's Office deputy, still wishing the transition from male to female could happen overnight. But the officer, now named Rebecca, is inspired change in her, in her agency to help, you see how I'm slipped up there? Ease the long process of changing genders. The article goes on, and we're going to post it so you can read it. So the individual basically talks about that he struggled, or he, she, he, you know, and we're going to get in. He, he called the he supposed to be she. Don't get oversensitive on me. I'm new at this, okay? So there was a process wanting to be a little girl. He was a boy since he was, you know, a child, I guess. And uh, going into school, young adolescent, adulthood, and then uh, becoming a police officer in uh, 2012, I believe it was. 
into the present. And now the leap of faith that this individual has uh, to move on. Was also in the Army. I'm sure Mike Sierra will be happy to know it was the Army. And they kind of struggled with this as well. And now it's come out as a leap of transitioning is the term that is used. And the agency dealt with it and worked with it. Now, there's a lot of resources that need to be in place here. First of all, you have to have a policy on it. Second of all, there has to be sensitivity training for the agency. I don't care how tree-huggish you want to have an approach. There are people that are just not going to take this serious. And I don't hate those individuals either, and I'll tell you why. Because they were raised that way. So, and to them, they're like, you know, what, are you kidding me? And there's a process, not in teaching them to accept it, but teaching them to accept the agency's acceptance of it. That makes sense? So, if you have your own personal belief, that's fine. But the agency, the government agency you work for, is accepting it and embracing it. And as an employee of it, that's your job to accept it as well. On a personal level, you don't have to. Okay? You can have your own beliefs. But on a professional level, guess what? You're going to have to conform to the rules and regulations of that agency. So that resource has to be in place, too. There's money and there's cost involved. The sensitivity training has to be department-wide, from entry-level academy uh, all the way through the most senior person in the agency, and they have to come up with how long the course will be for, two hours, four hours, six hours, eight hours, create the curriculum and, and move forward. It is difficult because not everybody, not 100% of the individuals that are there are clapping and cheering that the agency is doing this. So that has to be kind of uh, introduced in the curriculum as well. Now, some advocates for everything out there. I know that. Okay. Save the cats take care of the dogs, you know, uh, hug a tree. And this is no different. But in government, that the expense is no expense. The, the, the checkbook is always full, always full. doesn't matter what it will cost and what resources are needed. We'll hire as many people as we need to in order to get this done. That is not a conservative profile. That is a left-bending profile that costs money, and it comes out of taxpayers' money. The question is, when do you draw the limit? Okay, when does this stop? And, you know, a lot of people say, well, if you think like that, then, I, you know, you're homophobic and all this other stuff. 
that's I'm posing a question, and the question is, when does it stop? What's what will be the next thing? Or the next agenda. This didn't exist 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. And you'll probably say, well, the reason it didn't exist is because the science wasn't there. Okay, maybe. But at the same time, it wasn't widely accepted. Why? Because there were different times. And the reason this is so widely accepted is because the left government, the leftists in our government, that have taken and seized power at many intervals in our history have accepted this and embraced this, but under what purpose did they? Do you actually think that all of them, all leftists, believe in this concept? You'd have to be foolish. That's to say that everybody in the planet accepts this. No. People remember, just like I said with the agency, accepting the position, but you have your own personal preference. Well, leftists are no different. The political position is to accept it. Personally, they might have different positions on it. Now, what I'm getting at is the leftists will always come up with these issues like what bathroom I can use and depending how I want to use it. So a simple concept, and it's not simple, so that's not even a good word to place here, but a concept of I'm a male and I want to be a female or vice versa, and I've been struggling with it. Well, you're going to go into the medical realm, receiving counseling, and you have to meet with physicians as a result how this can be done. And that is a process in itself. So while you're struggling with that process, now here come the left, and they take it to the third level, you know, DEFCON 3, which is uh, let, let's add the bathroom. Let's add uh, everybody has to accept it. Let's add uh, kids in school. It doesn't matter. We'll, we'll even hit the kindergarten kids with the two the military, and, you know, the reaching for the stars. And that approach is done because, the, remember, we teach you here on El Police Radio that the concept of the left is not that they like what you stand for or you think they like you, whether it's LBGT or transgender or hugging a tree. They do it because... They put you in their web to control you. Let me repeat that again. The agenda of the left, they never really support anybody. They only support the cause to control, control, control. Through control, there's dependency and dependency. They rule. That's how it works. So, um, and of course, the conservatives in government have kind of going with the flow. They don't want to fight anything anymore. Another one was uh, out of uh, in California, and I'll post that story. Transgender cop, a uniform keeps her out of events she organized, and it basically talks about an officer that, um, you know, went through the surgery, did the whole process, uh, was one of the early individuals to do this in California, 
and then organize an effort. And, um, you know, there was rallies in California, and she, she uh, was not allowed to go to the, to the rally in uniform by the agency. And why? Because the agency owns the uniform. And really, no agency will allow you to be a part of a rally or a demonstration because it has the tendency of offending another aspect of the citizenry. And as a result of that, that's why they say no. Not because they're they're smashing all my First Amendment right. No, no, no. You can go there as a private citizen and and do whatever you want. But what they are really saying is not in uniform because the uniform is supposed to be objective and inclusive to all, but not that it offends others. And as a result, that's why they say no. So I thought I'd just mention that. So now the transgender issue reaches itself not only in police agencies, and I've got one more, and this guy... Oh, you notice I'm getting better at it, huh? Pride 30, transgender cop Jamie Deere is a force for change. And it goes on. He's a 19-year veteran of the agency. So this is um, an old-timer. Can I say that? Yeah, an old-timer of the agency. And he, she switched to he. And... It was accepted, I guess, in their agency that it was in. But he's here's a person that had been there for a long time. So this was something that had to be digested by the people that grew up in the agency with the individual as well. So an interesting article on that one. So now the transgender issue falls into the correctional realm and I didn't really post anything on there because uh, correctional agencies all have different approaches to this. Uh, depending on the surgery, they did have surgery, they didn't have surgeries, their basic housing assignment. And courts have ruled that based on the genitalia, not how you feel, the institutions can house individuals because of security procedures for the facility. The Supreme Court has always said that the security of the facility is paramount, period. And, uh, you know, you can't have one that had the change and is a full female, but I feel like I'm, I want to be a male today inside a facility. Imagine how that would work out. So there has to be exceptions to that. There was one story that we had, and I'll see if I can find it, and it was on our beloved mayor from our beloved mayor from New York City. And I can't I can't locate it right now, but I'll post it on on the show notes so you can see it. I wasn't gonna originally talk about that story. But uh, the mayor of New York City, uh, we commonly call Mayor Big Bird, had uh, ordered the corrections department, and but they had to tweak the policy later uh, because it was a 
not that he specifically ordered the corrections department. He ordered all city employees in departments to comply. But there was a little hiccup when it got to corrections because of the security issues. So they had to modify it for, for corrections. It wasn't much of a story. That's why I didn't really have it ready. Uh, because if you're not in the industry, you really don't understand what the hell they're talking about. So, But I'll, I'll look it up and I'll find it. So now the corrections agencies, they have to have, here's the other issue, and this is a new issue that just came out on the transgender issue, and that is psychological evaluations as they go into a facility. Automatic. It was an automatic. As soon as they walked in, I'm Bob, but I'm not Bob, I'm Michelle, I, you know, this and that. And they would be shuffled over to a social worker somewhere in a facility so they could be evaluated whether they were mentally ill or not. So the transgender issue has been dealt with as a part of mental illness, but as up, uh, up until recently, the industry, the courts, uh, have decided that this is not a mental illness issue. And I'm glad, uh, because although there are individuals that are mentally ill that are suffering from this, they don't have the resources, they don't have the thought process to go through an operation, so they think they are what they think they are. You follow where I'm, I'm going with this? opposed to a person that is really going through with this and has seeked medical assistance in that. So there's a difference. So those individuals that are kind of cuckoo, those people you can kind of spot a mile away, you know. And and we've de- I've dealt with them in, in my career. And uh, I'll, I'll mention one nickname, and this is, uh, the humor in law enforcement that a couple of people that worked with me to hear the program, they'll be chuckling and laughing, holding on to the seat from falling. And that's Wonder Woman. You know, we used to have Wonder Woman we used to deal with all the time. And uh, it was a he, but he thought it was a she. And he'd do the little thing with the, you know, the twirling of the air like Wonder Woman and sing the song in the whole nine yards. But uh, he was on the mentally ill <coughs> avenue, not on the other one. Okay, he didn't have the resources to carry out what he thought he wanted. Now, I'm assuming if you want to staple your stomach, you have to meet a psychologist or psychiatrist to talk about the importance of that surgery, or at least it used to be like that. I'm assuming to get body parts removed... Uh, or added, (laughs) you would have to do the same. And through that mental uh, health check, um, there would be an acceptance and a move forward towards what they have to. Now, there's a huge, huge cost in the, the care once surgery is done or post surgery and uh, post-surgery and pre-surgery, there's preparation and, and then during the surgery and after the surgery that they are huge cost in medication. And this was one of the things that were troubling the military 
uh, people were signing up for the military and get this procedure done. And it was overwhelming on, on cost, on, on just the upcare. So for prisons and, and jails all over the country, this is another astronomical cost that they wish they didn't have to deal with. Now, I want you to understand one thing. That when you give to one group, you take away from another. And this is the problem with immigration, and people don't understand it. So illegals, oh, let them you know, bring down the walls, no barriers, no borders, let everybody come. We're all one world people, and all this baloney. But they live behind fences in their own homes, and doors are locked. And you want to create that notion that everybody's free and so forth. But the bottom line, if you look at immigration, and I'm, I'm not... I'm taking a little pause here to, to present a point. You look at immigration. If you allow 11, 15 million, whatever the magical number is, it's been 11 million for about 25 years, so maybe it's at 15 now. Um, you allow them just to cross the border, live here illegally, vote, and do whatever the hell they want. Then you have to ask yourself, the people that are online to get in legally, can they come in? No, because they're taking up somebody's seat, okay? Musical chairs. And in musical chairs, okay, when the music stops, you know, what you should have done when you were a kid, as soon as the music stops, you shove the other kid in front of you and you sit your ass down as fast as you can. So in musical chairs, if all of people are illegal, the legal person can't sit down. There's no place for him or her to put their rear end. So that's that's the point I'm saying. So here, in wrapping this up, for correctional agencies as far as inmates and prisoners, this is a huge undertaking. They have to be kept separately. Uh, their housing has to be classified. These individuals need medical care. The court system has kind of ruled out anything as far as automatic mental health for them. Um, mental health now comes in what you see uh, and observe, okay? If I ask you what day it is and you tell me, if I tell you you want to hurt yourself and you said, no, I'm of sound mind, then, then I, I can't make you crazy because you want to wear a dress and pumps. So, again, we're staying on the professional realm, but if... That's what it was before. Now they're kind of like, nope, uh, you know, straight to the correctional setting. They're going to deal with it. Some agencies may still have that mental health process, but by and large, it's a waste of time if the person hasn't exhibited any mental ill signs. That's what I'm saying. So, and then we go into what level are they in? Pre, post, what's going on with them? That determines their medical care while they're incarcerated. And, of course, the outcome of their case. Is it a first-degree felony that they'll be for there for a long time, or is it a simple misdemeanor that they'll be gone tomorrow? That weighs heavily as it on it as well. Huge undertaking, a lot of money here, a lot of resources, and corrections industry in itself is the cost per inmate is astronomical. 
if the person is mental ill, it's gargantuan, not astronomical. So we're not at the mental ill levels because for out of, uh, I think the statistic of uh, out of one, out of four inmates, one is mentally ill or something like that was, was, was the statistic. So there's a lot of people on psychotropic medication in jails and prisons. I can tell you that. Huge number. And the medication, huge amounts. So transgender. The point is law enforcement has to have a professional attitude in dealing with this regardless. I'm going to be posting on the show notes the Department of Justice some videos that they have on dealing with a person that's in transition as a transgender, how you speak to them, how should, uh, you should ask what they're called, you know, what would you want me to call you, and, and then take it from there. On a de-escalation position, it's an excellent approach. It's a little bit on the comical side when you see the video, and if you're in law enforcement, you're probably not going to take it seriously if you're sitting in your underwear at home listening or, or, or looking at the video. So it is what it is. Now, folks, it's time for the 09 training tip. This is a good opportunity to talk about de-escalation, and I kind of hit on it a little bit. It's so important in your first initial contact with any individual, whether they're acting erratic, whether they look a little bizarre, to first ask them, how would you like me to address you? You know, what, what name do you go by? Whether it's a nickname or whatever. And it's important because that's how they identify with themselves. This will probably get you a little further into the conversation and a simple question, an open-ended question, which is simply, how would you like for me to address you in our conversation? And it's important. It doesn't really do a lot for uh, diffusing a situation if the person's a little hostile. might take a while before they actually tune into what you're asking them. But it does show a level of respect. And that's our 09 training tip on de-escalation. Now it's time for the conversation. Great opportunity to talk about what the scripture says is and what the Lord himself is declaring. I knew you while you were in your mother's womb. Wow. Not too many people can say that. But see, the Lord is basically saying he knows everything about you. That means he knows how you were supposed to look, what color you were, what your attitude would be. And as a result, God knows you as that one deity, that one entity. And now people 
want to alter that. And biblically, there is no position for that. Now, I know for those that are into Scripture saying, yeah, that's right, you tell them. Well, the Scripture also says, thou will not make exceptions in the congregation. The book of James talks about that. Or about judgment. It's not our position to judge. It's God's position to judge. It's our position to be tolerant. Not that we accept what might be sinful, but we accept the human being committing the act. We accept them in that we know that they can change if they really wanted to. We give them that hope. Some of them don't believe they need to. Some of them think that you're the one that needs to change. Very good then. You stated your position, I've stated mine. We can respect each other on each other's corner. But God has also lastly told us, if what you've told them is biblically sound and they do not listen, wipe your feet on the mat and continue going your journey. So God says, there's no more to discuss. From this point on, it's my business. And that is God's word. Not one of them, but three of them that should all give us a lesson on dealing with these issues. What's next? Well, we always got a list of things to talk about, and we've got one of the best ones that coming up, and it is a plague that some people are so naive in law enforcement to actually think that it doesn't exist. And that is episode number 47. My friends, Johnny, Monkey, Hendrix, Gene Mark, and Miller. And that's going to be our next segment, August 8th, episode number 47. Now, for those that have had a few belts every now and then, have their favorite watering hole, and heard what I just mentioned, those names, they say, you know what? I think he's talking about liquor, and I am. And it's something that plagues the law enforcement agency in big numbers, and they won't come to terms with it. And we're going to talk about it on episode 47. We've got a lot of things going on at El Police Radio. I did talk about a lot of those changes coming as far as the website, the icons uh, are, are becoming a little bit different. Our um, Twitter, I almost forgot what I was, uh, my social networking, our Twitter accounts are also more opinionated. And um, we have been kind of on, on um, being placed on attack now by our liberal left. And uh, they have absolutely no, basically what they, they try to state a position and when you go to counter it, they attack you, call you stupid, this, that, name call you. And, you know, like freaking three, five-year-old children in a playground. It's ridiculous. And um, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and deal with these people. I got more important things to do. So we either block them or we let them talk to themselves. 
So if you kind of see that interaction and you deal with it also, I encourage you just to keep on going your own way. The liberal approach, you're not going to get anywhere. Why? Because that's just the way they are. They like controversy. Their positions usually are not on any evidence. It's just because. And therefore, they're looking for a good argument. And if you start giving it to them and you're presenting them with all this hard evidence, all they're going to do is start name-calling Call you fat so and you don't know and you're a pig and whatever else they can come up with and get off the subject quickly. But I am very enthusiastic that the hopefully the Justice Department, once they figure out what kind of hairspray the president uses, we can start prosecuting some of these screwheads that are walking around with black masks and attacking people and so forth. That crap has got to put, the Justice Department's got to put an end to it. There's no place for it. That is not civil in any nature. They are attacking people. They're doing all kinds of stupid stuff. They're educated by the lawyers, the lawyers. The lawyers are telling them how to do it. But they're also fruitcakes, and they, they are hurting people. And we're seeing that more and more on the news. It's got to stop. It's got to stop, and you need some aggressive laws. Listen, there are laws that offending certain groups is a hate crime. Now, before we close out this segment, I want to say it's so important to stay professional at all times, especially on this subject. And we know that law enforcement has a sense of humor, that certain jokes are going to pop out, that amongst the guys, there's always a chuckle here and a chuckle there. So lines like this might get you in some serious trouble. The inclement negative implications. Let's think of it as a meeting of minds. Now, for whatever reason, certain incidents have expired lately that in addition to being dangerous, could have an adverse impact on our respective bottom lines. I know Vito's bottom was impacted, if that's what you're referring to. <laughs> Call him what you will, but you're talking about one of my captains. Captain? The good ship Lollipop, right? Phil, please. Good ship Now, of course, these remarks are get you into trouble. And in an agency... They might have to call internal affairs and they might show up. And you know that they really don't even have to identify who they are. We are federalists, you know, the mountain police. If you're the police, where are your badges? Badges? We ain't got no badges. We don't need no badges. I don't have to show you any stinking badges. So, needless to say, that those remarks, cracking those jokes, singing those songs will bring heat on you with the internal affairs. You get them upset, and eventually you're going to get disciplined, and the command staff is going to have to make a decision about you. He disappears. He never comes home. They know, but they don't know. They hope maybe he'll turn up if... So there you have it. Best thing is, stay professional, and that'll keep you fair and balanced,
and you won't have anything to worry about. On my closing notes, I want to talk about lpoliceradio.com. One important thing that I want to express. Up to now, we are in uh, podcast number 46, Building the Library, Getting Bigger and Bigger. We have had almost $0 in advertisement. I think right after the hurricane in September, when we went to launch and it threw us off, I think I dedicated a whole $15 on advertising. So we're doing very well considering this has been done on purpose. This is part of the plan. And we're doing 54 shows. That will be one year. And then we're going to start dedicating some serious time, effort, and money into what we're doing. And you will notice the difference. Coming up is going to be on El Police Radio, not only Logan a logo change, possibly even a name change, and most importantly, the panel is coming. And who the panel is is going to be a distinct panel of retired and active law enforcement officials that will come on every so often on a specific subject, and they will give us their wisdom. Now, let's recap on what we've done. We've changed our logo for the second time. Possibly there'll be a third time later in the future. We are staying on Podbeam. Eventually, El Police Radio will go to Bob Podbeam and be off its uh, website. And there'll be another website with the new name and the new theme. And, of course, the panel. A lot of this is confusing. All you need to know is every Wednesday there will be a new show. And we, we are happy to bring it to you. Now, as I said, there's a lot of time and effort to put these shows together. Research, development, launching, editing, and, and uh, out it goes. We now are going to Spotify and Google as well where you can pick up our shows. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbeam, and of course our own website, lpoliceradio.com. Don't forget our brother uh, podcast, Leatherneck 7. They have also changed their logo, uh, more of the Leatherneck theme, and we're moving ahead on that. 09 Training Group will be commencing real soon. As of August, we will sit down with some of the uh, instructors that are coming on board and starting to formulate that. And lastly, I told you about Patreon, where you can donate and make a contribution. Some of the things that we're going to be doing in the future with YouTube, filming, and stuff like that are costly. And uh, putting these things together are costly as well. So it's just something for you to consider. We're not going to be nagging you and all that. But change is coming. We're slowly molding our podcast into what we want it to be. Sponsor-free, we're doing it a little bit slower. We're doing it more methodically. But people that know me, they know that that's how I operate. And I will continue at it until... It definitely succeeds. So keep an eye out on the panel. They should start commencing coming on board with us in September of 
2018. Now, what did we cover in the episode? We talked about transgenders and the importance of becoming professional at all times on this subject. The amount, the cost is astronomical for agencies and the resources they need. What can you do as a citizen? Support your agency. As an employee, become professional. In Jesus' name, I bless you. I bless your agency that serves you. God bless America. Long live the republic.